Hello fellow adventurers and welcome back to the Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin and I'm an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop a cooperative fantasy card game. For this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. This week I've been working on the basic idea of how to use cards to represent units on a battlefield for a tactical battle. The cards should in general represent the position of a unit and should be able to be moved across the board um, during the battle. In general, I really, really like tactical turn-based games where you have to position units and then influence the outcome of a battle by choosing actions. Um, classics like chess or Stratego come to mind as well as computer games like XCOM or Banner Saga. But none of these games really use cards to simulate a battle on the battlefield. Most of the time they use meeples or some 3D models. Um, but as you know, I really love the feeling and the haptic of cards. Nothing is better than smashing a game-winning card from your hand to the table and watch your opponent's face while he slowly recognizes what the card really does and what it means to the game state. That's why in this episode I will take a closer look at how cards can be used to represent a tactical battle. The question I asked myself is whether you can do that with cards as good as it is often done with meeples or maybe even better. We'll take a look at some examples and collect a few pros and cons here and there. Um, and the second question I asked myself was um, what the battlefield should look like in order to have a simple yet tactical fight. Uh, most games use some kind of predefined battleground. Often it is grid-based um, or hexagons or tiles or some other form of predefined field sizes. Um, some games like Warhammer, however, completely work without predefined fields. They use the entire table um, and you have to measure distance with a meter. That's why I'm also going to look a little bit um, at the different forms of the battlefield that are available, um, especially for the ones um, that have been used together with cards. Um, but before we go any deeper in this topic, um, I would like to make a few announcements today. First of all, I want to give you a short update on my consistency. Last week I talked about losing my consistency and my habits, so both the podcast and my game design activities really suffered from that. Since last week I have changed some things to regain my old consistency and um, for example I've been getting up at 5am every day since then. Um, then I was doing my morning routine and depending on how long the kids slept, um, I spent between one and two hours working on the things that were most important to me. Um, even after we played Mage Wars on our gaming night until 1am, including some beers and whiskey, um, I still was able to fight my way out of bed. But why am I telling you this at all? First, I really think it's important to celebrate your small victories as well. And for me, this is a small victory. But more importantly, um, because the change that I feel within 
a week is already remarkable. Um, I've pushed forward so many of the topics that are important to me and I have always done so before the day really started for everyone else. This satisfaction then continues throughout the entire day and spreads to so many other areas of my life. So I again want to highly recommend you to try to change your daily routine um, as well. The result of getting up at 5 a.m. and following a nice morning routine and working on the most important things really, really amazes me time and time again. So if you want to um, to join me um, in the 5 a.m. club um, and you want to talk about your results or your morning routines, um, yeah, it would be great to, um, to talk to you about that uh, maybe um, over at the Discord channel. The second announcement I want to, to make is about the podcast transcripts. Many listeners have asked me uh, for transcripts of the podcast episodes, especially the older ones. Um, I have transcripts for all of the shows, except the interviews, but some of them are not as well formatted as others. Um, that's why I haven't uploaded all of them to the website yet. The other reason is that I want to publish them on the website in a more structured way in the future, more like a, a knowledge page to which you and I could go back to every time we design a new game and not like a chronological order as they are currently posted for the podcast. But since this knowledge base is not online yet, I am willing to send the show notes um, of previous shows to you via mail. They will not be formatted perfectly and they will contain a whole bunch of typos and grammar mistakes. Um, but if you think they would still be helpful for you, just send me an email, drop me a line um, with the episode number and I will mail it to you. The last announcement that I want to make is um, about the Mastermind Group. Last week in the podcast, I already reported that the NerdLab community has a new home. Um, we now have a Discord channel um, where we share design problems and help each other. Some listeners have already joined the server and we have arranged the first mastermind session for October 9th um, on this, this Sunday at 9 p.m. Middle European Standard Time. This is around 12 p.m. Pacific Time. I don't really know when this podcast episode will um, go live, but it probably will be just a few hours or half a day um, before the mastermind group will happen. So I know it's on short notice, but if you want to join us, um, we would um, be very happy to see you over at this call. Um, if you have never been part of a mastermind group before, you probably don't know what exactly is meant by the term mastermind group. Let me give you some more infos about that. Um, for me, a mastermind group offers a combination of brainstorming, education and peer accountability. Um, in a group of three to six people, the goal is to really sharpen your designer skills and support each other to make progress with your game designs and achieve your goals um, and to be consistent. In general, um, it is supposed to help you and your mastermind group members to achieve success. Um, it is um, the task of each member to challenge the others um, to set very strong goals and more importantly to accomplish these goals. From time to time we could also dive deep into discussions um, and work with um, 
the members on a very specific design problem. But most of the time it is more about setting goals for the next period um, and report your process and maybe um, what holds you back to push through obstacles. And in order to achieve this, we really need people who are willing to commit to their path as a game designer. People who are confident of themselves and willing to both give but also receive advice. If this appeals to you, I would be very happy if you come over and join us on um, our path of uh, achieving our goals. Um, the link of the Discord server can be found in the show notes. And even if you miss the first session, that doesn't matter. Come over and um, we'll talk about the next session and where you will be able to join. But enough with all these announcements, let's get to the main topic for today. Let's talk about um, cards representing units on a tactical battlefield and um, the different options that can be used here. In the beginning, I would like to talk a little bit about the differences between using cards and using miniatures. Um, Miniatures, of course, have the advantage that they can be distinguished easily. In the age of 3D printing, they can represent everything and their look and feel is very, very nice. But the biggest advantage, in my opinion, is that as a player, you can pick them up and move them around on the board so easily. It is maybe even easier to create some kind of emotional band to the miniature um, and in addition to that they do not really need a lot of space um, the result is that the battlefield does not need to be that big as well in order to get a big enough combat area for the game on the other side cards also have some advantages a lot of important information can be printed on cards um, this may reduce the need for additional components to track effects and values. And that means the information is always available directly on the battlefield. And it is not necessary to look it up on a separate board or a separate card or in a rulebook. Um, cards can also be much better combined with other aspects of the game. They can be held in hand or um, they can be part of a deck that could be that could represent anything else. They can be, for example, rotated on the battlefield to display status effects, for example, tapping in magic. Or they can be turned around to represent secret information only available to one player. It is also way easier to place any kind of tokens on cards. Or you could um, put other cards on top or bottom of them to represent items or enchantments or even negative status effects, such as curses. Again, these are aspects making it possible to display more information directly on the battlefield. For example, you could track life or damage points with the help of tokens directly on a card on the battlefield instead of needing an extra character sheet or an extra character board. Um, I know there are also ways of representing values on the base of a miniature, but still it is way easier to put different tokens on a card. But this comes with a cost. Um, if you have all this information on the battlefield, it's of course it is 
um, more difficult to keep track of everything if you always have it visible on the battlefield on the cards um, and it's way diffi more difficult to, to 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 move the pieces around so this is um, a huge advantage of the miniatures but for me it still sounds like cards would be a very good choice to represent units on the battlefield um, however i am biased and one should not ignore the fact that humans are very visual um, having a nice looking 3D miniature on the table um, is worth a lot. Um, and a good artwork on a card can also be very nice. But I guess most people would prefer a nice miniature if we only take the visual aspect into account. Um, I don't think there is a clear winner here between cards or miniatures. Um, but I still think it is a bit odd that there are so many miniature games coming out um, in the recent years. And not so many card games, at least in the area of um, tactical combat card games that use um, cards um, as units on, on battlefields. Um, let's take a look at some examples of how cards could be used to represent a tactical combat on, on a battlefield. Um, I will look at games that contain a real battlefield or in which at least the positioning of the cards play a role. Magic the Gathering, for example, has something like a battlefield, but how you position your cards on your battlefield typically has no effect at all. Except your um, opponent plays a chaos orb, in which case the positioning of the cards is the only thing that matters. But that's an insider you probably only understand if you played Magic for a very, very long time. In order to analyze the different options um, of using cards on a battlefield, um, I analyzed some games. Um, and I came up with a list of five different ways of using a battlefield with cards as units on it. Um, and the first one is um, maybe the most obvious one, by using a predefined battlefield on which each unit occupies a specific slot on the board um, at a time. The fields are um, typically shaped in the form of the cards. And the battlefield is some kind of grid um, that could be printed on cardboard or that could be um, represented by tiles that have to be combined in a specific order or um, what I've seen before, it could be printed on a playmat. Um, the best example for this um, predefined grid version of a board um, is Summoner Wars, which I will be talking about later in, in a bit more detail. Uh, the second option is um, a battlefield that is divided in the middle, um, where one side um, represents one player and the middle line cannot be crossed by the other player. Quent is a good example for that implementation of a game. Another variation of this option is the arrangement in separate lanes, where predefined lanes compete against each other and you have to choose which lane to place your units on. Um, Artifact is a very good example, um, which I will be looking at later. And then there is um, the variant where each player has his own more or less completely independent battlefield. Um, this, for example, is the way in Magic the Gathering and it is the way in Keyforge. But in Keyforge, however, the position of the units um, 
at least plays a bigger role. So we look at that as an example here. Basically, however, there are no units that face each other in any way directly on a predefined grid. Um, that means targeting is typically less of, an, of a topic in these implementations. And the last example is um, a battlefield with uh, predefined slots. Um, for example, a division into different rows for melee and ranged, similar like it is done in Quent, but additionally specific slots for units like tanks, supporters or damage dealers or even traps and curses. Um, Pixel Tactics is an example that somehow fits in this category. Let's look at some examples. Um, we start with Summoner Wars as an example for the first option of using a predefined grid-based battlefield. In Summoner Wars, um, the players face off against one another by choosing one faction, represented by a deck of cards. And you start with some units already deployed on the battlefield. Um, one of it is um, your summoner, by the way. And once your summoner dies, the game ends. And the summoner is represented by a card as well. Um, the battlefield is divided into two different parts, which um, are put together in the middle. Each side has a 4 times 6 crit area. And if you put both pieces together, this forms a huge 8 times 6 crit board. Um, an interesting aspect here is that the spaces have the size of an horizontal card. That means there is only space for one card on each field. And that card cannot be tapped or rotated um, to indicate that it has already been used or is stunned or some other state effect. Um, and in Summoner Wars, the cards can represent different things. Um, there, for example, are um, unit cards. These cards um, form your army and they are used to move around the board and fight your opponent. But then you also have uh, wall cards. Um, and these wall cards can block enemy movement. Um, enemies need to take extra movement steps to walk around the wall um, and typically walls only have life points and, and they can be destroyed. And the other important aspect of walls in that game is that you need them as a kind of spawning area because you always have to spawn um, your units next to um, a, a wall, for example. In addition to that, you have event cards um, that typically have a one-time effect that takes place once um, the card is played. And this already shows one advantage of cards compared to miniatures because um, the cards do not only represent the units, they also represent other aspects of the, of the game, events for example, and they can all be put together into one deck. So in, in Mage Wars you also have um, different phases of course. You have a draw phase um, um, in which you draw cards until you have five cards in your hand. You have some kind of summoning phase um, in which you can summon units to the board um, and you can play event cards um, and then you have a movement phase um, and you can move up to three units um, each for by two spaces. In Summoner Wars um, the units are not allowed to move diagonally. Um, this rule is often used to make um, objects on the battlefield more important because it's not so easy to move around them. Um, then you have the attack phase in 
in which you are allowed to attack with up to three units, which can be different units than the ones you moved. Um, but you still need to be in range. And range is also very interesting in um, crit-based tactical games. Um, in Summoner Wars, the range um, of a ranged unit um, is um, three spaces, but the spaces need to be in a straight line, so no diagonally shooting as well. Um, and the attack value of a unit determines how many dies to use to determine if it deals damage or not. Um, they use a standard D6 and everything above two is a hit. Then you have the build magic phase in the game um, in which you can discard cards from your hand into your magic pile. Again, something that would be strange or maybe difficult to, to implement with, with miniatures. Um, if creatures die, they also go into your magic pile and then you need that magic pile to summon new units later on. That means you decide which cards you do not need at the moment um, to create your resource or the magic that you need to summon you new things. Um, yeah, that's an, a neat mechanic because you draw up to five cards in the next round anyway. Um, another important aspect of um, Summoner Wars is that the units on the board um, you control always face you. And the unit that your opponents controls always face them. This is important because it shows who controls the unit. For example, it could happen in the game that you get control of one of your opponent's units. In that case, um, you would simply turn the unit around to, yeah, to highlight that it is your unit now. Um, But this is also a problem of using cards on the battlefield because um, it is difficult to read because they are not facing you. So if you are not um, familiar with all of the cards available in the game, you often maybe have to pick up a card, turn it around, read it and put it back on the battlefield. I have to say I really like the implementation of a battlefield here in Summoner Wars um, because you can play very tactically by placing walls at the right positions, um, place more tanky units um, in front of your um, your squishy units in order to protect them. And this gives you a very deep and tactical layer of the game um, that is, of course, is some kind of complexity, uh, but that adds a lot of, um, of fun to the game as well for me. So if you are willing to add a bit more complexity to your game, um, I would recommend to take at least a look on on the possibility of having a, a crit-based battlefield um, on which you can move completely free from one side of the battlefield to the other side of the battlefield. The next example I want to talk about is Quent. Um, Quent is um, or was a mini game in the uh, Witcher saga. It is a digital card game which is now available as a standalone game um, and it is a tactical card game um, that is played on the field of four lanes. Um, the board is split into two sides. Um, one is yours and the other is your opponent's. Um, and these sides are further split into two rows. Um, a melee row and a ranged row. And in former times, there were also a siege row, but this is no longer available. Um, and each card has the, an, an icon that specifies in which row it can be played. So 
some some units can be played in the melee row and the others only in the ranged row and and you typically only play cards in your rows um, but there are also some exceptions because there are spy cards that can also be played in um, the opposing rows in order to, to to block your opponent to be able to um, to play more units into a specific row The important difference to a game like Summoner Wars, in which you can move around the whole board, is that there is no real movement at all. You do not really interact with the um, opposing side of the battlefield. You win the game simply by um, having more strength on the board um, than your opponent when the round ends. And you play um, the best of three and must win two rounds to win the game. Um, the game plays um, in the following way. Each player draws 10 cards um, and is allowed to take a mulligan, um, as in many games. Um, and then um, the players choose and play one card per turn. There's no resource system. You just can play one card a turn. Um, and players can also pass and do not play a card this round. Um, then the other player still has... Um, the ability or the option to um, to play additional cards until he or she decides to pass as well, and then the winner is determined at the um, next uh, once the next rounds begin. So it can be a very tactical decision to pass early in a round to um, save up some of your cards for the next round because you need to win two or three rounds here. The game sounds very simple, but It has a lot of depth anyway. For example, there is um, something like weather, which is a unique effect that can impact an entire row um, or in some cases the entire side of the board. So by dividing a battlefield into specific areas like rows or lanes, um, you can always add additional cards to the game that affect the entire lane or row or the um, area that you want to have in your game what i really like about these kind of systems is that they get rid of movement and to some degree positioning and this makes the game super easy and gives you a lot of design space or space to add complexity to the interaction between the cards so you have a lot of space to create synergy between cards because people do not use um, all of their um, headspace to think about movement. There's more availability or capability um, to think about the cards that they want to combine in the game. And um, there are some games in which I think this is a very nice way to go. I think that in Artifact, for example, it is not too different from um, from Quent. You have three different lanes and you have positions on these lanes. And it really depends if you um, add a unit to the left or the right side of, um, of uh, your army in a specific lane. And then you can only use this unit in this specific lane and not in the others. I know there are exceptions in which allow you to move one unit or hero from one lane to another, but um, typically these three lanes are independent from each other. But the position on the lane um, does affect who um, of the 
enemy units your unit attacks. Um, in Artifact, this is there is an additional randomization effect um, because it can happen that your um, uh, damage dealer um, is in front of your um, opponent's unit that you want to kill, but um, it does not attack the unit directly in front of him, but the one uh, diagonally left from him. So that means direction is randomized in Artifact. And Artifact, since Artifact is a digital game, this can be done easily. In, uh, in a physical implementation, this would be way more difficult. Even if this attack direction is randomized, there are still a lot of cards in the game that allow you to change this direction um, so that you will be attacking the unit directly in front of you or a unit that you can specify. And this adds a lot of tactical depth to the game even if you are not allowed to move around on the battlefield. The positioning still is very very important. You have uh, to decide on which lane you deploy your characters and uh, units um, and on which position in the lane. I really enjoyed playing Artifact and um, I think it's a very good implementation of a game in which two combat lines um, face off each other. The attack direction is something that you can play around with for your game um, because there could be units that have the option to attack the um, three units in front of them um, or other units that are forced to always attack the unit directly in front of them. They, only, they do not really have a choice, they only can attack into one direction. Though these are options that you can consider in order to differentiate your different units on the battlefield. The next example is Keyforge. And in Keyforge, um, a concept called battle lines is used. Um, the battle line really is the ordered line of creatures um, that you control as a player. And creatures um, enter play exhausted and are placed in um, the front row of the active player's area. Um, and this row is referred to as the battle line. Um, the creatures really remain in play from turn to turn and they um, each have um, power and armor and they use these values to resolve the fights. Um, and there are a few rules that um, really impact the battle line. For example, each time a creature enters the play, it must be placed on a flank. Um, so that means at the far left or the far right of um, the battle line. Um, and each time a creature leaves play, the battle line needs to be shifted inward to close the gap again. That means two things. Though The first thing is there will never be any holes in your battle line. It will always be... Um, unit, 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 and your decision is a little bit limited um, because you can only decide to put a newly deployed creatures to the left or the right side of your battle line. Um, as a result, you really have to uh, strategically think ahead and plan how you want to deploy your creatures step by step in order to form a battle line that um, maximizes the synergy and when i talk about synergy um, i mean a few different things the first one really is um, 
if a creature is on a flank or not. So remember flanks are the far left and far right positions in your battle line because um, there are a lot of cards that refer to creatures on flanks or creatures not on flanks. For example, there is um, the Staunch Knight um, that gets plus two power while it is on the flank. Or there is a card called Harland Mindlock um, that can get control of a creature of your opponent, but only a creature that is on the flank. So if the opponent knows that you have this card in your deck because it's the second or third time you play against him, he will most probably take care that his strongest creature is not on a flank. Um, and other aspects that you need to take into account when you form your battle line um, are um, cards like Dremor that stun each creature and all of its neighbors. Um, so they are often um, cards that affect not only one creature but also um, um, its neighbors. Um, And this is also relevant for the keyword ability taunt because if a creature has the taunt keyword, um, any of its neighbors that do not have the taunt keyword cannot be attacked by an enemy creature that is being used to fight. What this means is that you can um, place a unit with the ability taunt somewhere in the middle and uh, two creatures that you want to be protected um, next to it. So this is some of the aspect that you need to take into account when you form your battle line. And there are also other cards, um, for example, um, the Sanctum Guardian that has the ability to swap positions with another unit. So if your opponent um, has a card into play that bothers you um, with regard to your positioning, you can change it afterwards. Um, and there are still other cards, for example, the Bulwark that gives all neighbors plus two armor which is a lot in this game. Um, and if you position your units accordingly, this can be a very nice way to protect, protect your squishies. Um, another way to protect your, your units would be the card called Shadow Self, which takes all the damage um, that would normally be done to its neighbors. So as you see from the um, few examples that I gave you from, from some of the cards and interactions, um, there is no real battlefield um, so you do not really have to move your cards around your units around um, you can more or less decide freely who you want to attack um, from your opposing units but still keyforge has some twists um, with the flank or not flank units and the neighbor rules and the taunting um, that gives you a lot of to think about and um, another strategic layer um, that you have to take into account when you deploy your units. But it is definitely uh, the simplest way of uh, having some kind of uh, battlefield or positioning. Um, I think if the game would be more focused on the creatures and not so much about spells and forging keys and all the stuff around it, this would probably be um, a too easy implementation to be interesting for a very long time. The next example I want to talk about is Pixel Tactics and it is definitely one of the more complex games with regard to uh, Battlefield because it's, it is different. 
Um, and the complexity maybe comes also from the multi-purpose card. That means that each card can be used for, I would say, all the purposes of the game. Um, it can be used as a leader. It can be used as a hero. It can be used um, as a vanguard hero on a flank or a back hero. It can be used as an order. It can be used as an operation or it can be used as a trap. So, And all of this information are printed on each and every card. So it's a wall of text um, and um, a very complex decision you have to make um, if you want to use a card at the hero now or um, as an order or whatsoever. Um, but how the battlefield is implemented has some nice twists. So the, each player has three different rows um, and some reserve slots. Um, the first row is the vanguard row, um, the second row is the flank row, um, the third row is the, the rear row. And let's say you deploy one of your cards to the vanguard row, then the vanguard part of this card is active and all the others can be ignored. If you deploy the same card into the flank row, for example, then the flank area of the card is active and all the others can be ignored. Um, this is what I meant by multi-purpose cards here. The game takes place in um, rounds uh, and each round consists of three waves. Um, and for example, the first wave is the vanguard wave. So each player is um, allowed to take two actions in the vanguard row. So it could deploy a character to the vanguard uh, row or attack with a character um, in the vanguard wave. Units can also be moved from one row into another row. But in that case, they cannot attack this turn. When you take an attack action, um, you choose um, a unit in the current wave um, that performs an attack um, to a somehow valid target um, of the other player. If you want to um, do or perform a melee attack, um, both the attacker and the target must be in melee to do so. Um, and only the foremost hero um, in each column is considered in melee. So not all the vanguard um, units are in melee, for example. Only the foremost uh, hero in each column is considered to be melee. With a range attack on the other side, um, a hero can attack any other hero from the other player. That means in each row you can try to protect some of your units from opposing uh, melee attacks um, by placing um, some kind of tanky unit in front. And there's also an ability called intercept, which uh, means that the opposing range attacks cannot pass over this creature. This makes them especially useful for protecting um, your rear and your flank heroes um, as well as um, your leader, which you are not allowed to lose, otherwise you lose the game. Um, an intercepting hero defends the one or two heroes behind him in the same column. So that means it is not only relevant in which column a unit is, it is also relevant in which row it is. So... Um, it can be very complex to find the right spot for the right for the right unit, but it is a very interesting way of um, thinking about um, a battlefield um, that does not 
have a lot of complex movement in it. In addition to that, you have a predefined slots in the reserve slot row, uh, which can be used to um, deploy traps, which are um, hidden cards that you place on the on the battlefield. And once uh, the trigger is um, active, you turn it around and the effect happens. Or there can be some kind of objectives that you need to um, need to achieve with with your with your heroes. What I really like about that concept is um, that you have specific spots on your battlefield that are better for certain units, for example, for the tanky units or for the um, ranged units um, and so on. Um, and you could even go further by giving these slots specific bonuses that are applied to them. For example, if you place the unit into this spot, it gets plus one armor. Or if you place it in one of the other slots, it um, gains plus one range or plus one damage or whatsoever. So I think there's still a bit of design space here um, when it comes to designing um, a battlefield that you fill with cards from, from a deck, your hand or whatsoever. One game that I wanted to, to, to add here um, at the end is Mage Wars because it also has a, a, a grid of different fields. Um, each player starts at one corner of the, um, of the grid and can move with, um, with his or her units um, on that grid. Um, the difference to um, Summoner Wars, for example, or other games I talked about is that more than one card can be in each field. As a result, there are a lot of cards that interact with um, all units in one specific area, so in one field of this grid. We played Mage Wars this week after a long time, and um, I have to say I had a, a lot of fun uh, moving around that, that grid area and um, thinking about tactics, how to uh, get my opponent to place um, more than one unit in one in one area so that I can I could uh, target him with my AOE effects. And that's it for today's episode. I really enjoyed the games with a lot of tactical depths uh, and obstacles on the map and uh, walking around on the battlefield and positioning. But I also have a place in my heart for the lighter games that um, only have a battle line, like like Keyforge, for example. It really depends on what you want to achieve and what you want to focus your game on. Is it the tactical movement or maybe only the positioning, um, if a unit is uh, left or right? Or is it that you want to differentiate between um, melee and range attacks or maybe two two lanes or two rows would be sufficient for you um, do you really need to um, walk into the area of your opponent so does it need to be one large combat area or can it be um, that every player has its own combat area so these are the kind of questions that you have to ask yourself when you want to design a tactical war game um, with cards on a battlefield so i hope this uh, different examples which are only the tip of the iceberg um, of course uh, gave you a bit of um, thought food um, for your own designs and if you enjoyed the show i would uh, be very happy if you leave me a positive uh, itunes 
review and uh, consider to join the nerd lab community um, either by subscribing to the mailing list or by joining us on the discord server we would uh, love to hear from you and um, i will definitely respond to your mails and messages so until next week keep shooting for the moon and nerd like a boss